Hello and welcome to In Bed with Neil Moody. I'm Neil Moody, editorial hairstylist, YouTuber, Instagrammer, etc. And throughout my 25-year career in the fashion and beauty industry so far, I've been lucky enough to have met and worked with some amazing and talented people. My In Bed with Neil Moody podcast series focuses around the professional and personal life stories of individuals who also think outside the box. I hope to give you an insight into their world, what they're up to and where they're going next. My guest on this episode is manicurist extraordinaire Marion Newman. Born and bred in London, Marion's early love for sciences led her into working in the forensic department within the police force, but after having children, she changed direction to go and study makeup. Through her makeup studies, she discovered nails and manicure and went on to open one of the first nail-only salons in the UK in the late 80s. Following a chance shooting where only hands were needed with fashion photographer Nick Knight, Marion began her career as a manicurist in the fashion industry. She's since worked with some of the top designers and brands and also on some of the most iconic images in fashion over the last 20 years. And all of this work has now been published in her latest book, Nailed It, Nails, Fashion, Technique. Marion came to visit me in London at my home where we sat and chatted about her career and her new book, plus what this UK queen of nails is going to be up to next. Hello, Neil Moody. Hello, Marion Newman. Marion with an A. Marion with an A. We were just clearing that up, weren't we? About yeah. I said, how come yours is spelt with an A? Well, I'm not a double N-E. I'm just an A-N. But the O-N version, which is a lot of people use, and a lot of people do put my name with an O, it's actually a boy's name, and it's John Wayne's real name. His real name is Marion John Wayne. So John is his middle name? John is his middle name. Ah. So, yeah, he's Marion with an O. So, right. you know, he's a boy named... Marion, not Sue. So. My mum wanted Anne and my dad wanted Mari, which is horrible, thank goodness. <laughs> he did, sorry to any Maris out there. Um, but he, yeah, so they gave my sister the choice and she put the two together and I was called Marion. Ah, hmm. nice. So um, what were your parents like as people? Oh, they were tough old boots. Um, Are they still alive? <laughs> no, they're yeah. long, long dead. No, my dad died in 74 when my eldest daughter was two weeks old, which was a bit of a shock. And my mum died um, in the millennium. Hmm. She died in 2000. So, yeah, I've been an orphan for a very long time. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they were, they, were, they were quite tough. And actually, I was talking about this with some friends the other day, that my parents, one was born in 1911 and one was born in 1913. So... They lived through two wars, although obviously the Second World War was the, mm. the main one for them. And, you know, I think my husband and I, we're of an age where we're the last generation that have parents, that, that we grew up with parents talking about, oh, do you know what happened to all of those? <laughs> oh, he, he never came back the same, you know. Mm. So, you know, we had... We grew up with war stories, actually, and we yeah. also grew up in a London that was full of bomb sites. Bomb sites were everywhere, and the word—I mean, this is where it came. This is where this whole conversation came from. The word "bomb site" was was a word that you use sort of every day. You know, all the bomb sites. Yeah, look, I've left my room in a bomb site. Yeah. yeah, and and there are none left in London now. Oh well, I think there might be one that's in Marylebone Lane, and it's still a car park. I think that's the mm. last bomb site left in London. So, where did you grow up? I grew up, first of all, I was born in Finsbury Park. I'm a Londoner through and through. My mm. family for generations, because I've done my family tree, for generations were Londoners. And actually, 
where we are now with in, in your abode, um, a lot of them grew up very close to here, actually, right. in Clerkenwell and um, Islington and, you know, all, all places like that and Shoreditch. And, but I grew up, I was born and grew up in Finsbury Park. And then when I was about eight, I think, seven or eight, we moved to Crouch End because mm. my mum decided that was posh. So, um, still is a bit, isn't it? <laughs> well, it was. It was definitely more posh than Finsbury Park. Mm. Um, and then I think it went it went down quite a bit. But it's now it is now quite posh. It's all yummy mummies and stuff there mm. now. So yeah, it's it's really nice. So yeah, from the time I was eight, around about until the time I got married, um, yeah, I lived in Crouch End. Went mm. to school in Wood Green. Always, you know, was, I mean, really through and through Londoner. But yeah. I don't live in London now. No. Where do you live now? I live in Hertfordshire, so it's not very far. Mm. I can get into London as easy as anything, um, either by public transport or car. I always, when I'm working, I always drive. Um, traffic, obviously, is shocking. But, you know, I can get out of London into the countryside in the same length of time that somebody can go from east to west. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's mm. fine. And I love now being in the countryside. Mm. Wouldn't like to be too far away from London. Because I was actually born in the sound of Bowbells, so right. I am a, a cockney. You're a true cockney, aren't you? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a true cockney, but in case anybody's mistaken, Bowbells is not the church in Bow. Oh. No. God, I'm learning something now. Bowbells is St Mary Le Bow, which is in Cheapside, which is in the City of London. And I was born, actually, in the, physically in the City of London Hospital. So I was born in the sound of Bowbells, which is St Mary Le Bow in Cheapside, not Bow Church ah. over in East London. A lot of people make that mistake. God, well, I did. I didn't know that. Yeah, no, it's the one in City. See, just, just they say support. you learn something every, every day. Every day, <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, that's your thing for today. <laughs> We've done that. Were your parents creative in any way? What did they do? No, not at all. My dad, um, for the, I think, three quarters of his working life, he worked for the Evening Standard. He was a printer's reader. Um, and those were the days when there was absolutely no computers. Mm. All the all the um, the newspapers, the print was actually picked out by hand. And I remember, well, I'm, I was young, but I do remember him being really excited when they got machines in the Evening Standard that were called Linotype. Mm. And it was a line of type. And they had Linotype operators and they were like the... You know the the technology whizzes yeah. of the day. And, it's like and a revolution. For it them. was a revolution because before that time, all the all the letters had to be picked out by hand. You know, an old John Ball printing set. Do you remember those? Yeah. You know, I, I don't think kids have them anymore, but they used to. But uh, no, so he was a printer's reader. So he was very hot on punctuation and spelling, and I could not spell. I wasn't dyslexic, but I couldn't spell, mm. and so. He he didn't get cross with me. He wasn't he wasn't particularly like that. But I know many many evenings um, in Crouch. This is when we were in Crouch End. Him and I had to do the washing up. My mum would do the cooking, and we'd have to go and do the washing up. He washed and I dried. And every evening we did this, and every evening we'd have little spelling tests. Mm. And but he made it fun. And so I mean, he died an awful long time ago, long 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 before I even thought about writing any books. And and but since I have written I've written six textbooks so I've done a lot of writing and I so often think oh he would have loved that <laughs> yeah he'd have been proud he'd have been just... so proud but I, I am good at punctuation so and you and you don't get that on spell check no so no he so that's what he did he wasn't creative my mum was a bookkeeper 
Um, so no, not really. Nobody, nobody creative in mm. my family. And what did you do when you left school then? What was your first sort of, you know, venture into working? Into the world, the real world. Well, my brain has always, all the way through school, has been in the science side. So I, when it, in those days you chose the arts or you chose the sciences. I didn't choose the, the arts because I wanted to choose the sciences. So I chose um, chemistry, physics and, and applied math. So I always wanted to be a scientist. My mum wanted me to go and do shorthand and typing um, because she said that will always come in handy. Yeah, you'll Whatever always have happens, a job. you'll always have a job. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I, did, I did at one point actually want to be a hairdresser mm. when I was young because my mum, I don't remember my mum ever washing her own hair. She used to go to the hairdressers at the bottom of Crouch Hill every Friday forever. And I don't mm. remember her ever washing her own hair. And so I, and you know, sometimes she'd take me and I'd sit and watch and think, oh, this looks quite nice. I think I'd like to do that. So for quite a while, I did want to be a hairdresser. So your eyes and brain were sort of leering towards a creative sort of, sort of feeling, yeah, weren't they? Sort of. I yeah. did used to, my, my first Saturday job, actually, anyone that knows um, the area around Crouch End and Hornsey, my very first Saturday job when I was 14 was the art shop that was opposite the Haunty College of Art. Mm. Um, and so all the students used to come in there and buy all their bits and pieces. Now, that did fascinate me. And I, you know, I found out think what things like gouache was. And I'm like, oh, I think I need some gouache. <laughs> don't know what I had to do what with it. What is gouache? Gouache, well, it's paint. Right. I don't really know what sort of paint, but it's not oil paint and it's not water paint. It's somewhere mm. in between. So, yeah, I did model this head out of clay, which I was quite good. But the trouble is with me, all my creative stuff, I'm not very good at it. Mm. Um, so I do something once. It wouldn't look how I'd pictured it because <laughs> I'm not very good at it. And then that was it. I wouldn't do it again. I'd get, you know, I don't like that. That's no good. Yeah. So, no. My, so I did do a little bit of, of creative stuff. Um, but, no, my head was in science. So when I left school, um, I actually got a job... Um, as a forensic science junior, um, uh, an assistant for the Metropolitan Police. And I worked there until um, I had my first baby, which I loved. I mm. absolutely loved it. And it really was CSI, but, you know, in a bygone era because yeah. DNA hadn't been found then. That didn't exist then. It was, it's only, you know, we had blood groupings, but I think there were only about 13 at the time, something like that, whereas now there are hundreds yeah. of blood groups. So, I mean, it was all very different, um, but I loved it. I loved it. I met my first husband there. He worked in the, in the same lab. And, but I think the thing is, by the time I'd finished having children, technology and science had moved on so far that... For me to go back, I would have had to have started... You'd almost had to have retrained. Yeah, I would yeah. have. I would have had to have retrained because I did go to college. I did go and do all sorts of qualifications and it was HND and ONCs at that time. Degrees mm. weren't... I don't know, degrees didn't seem to... Well, obviously they were there. Lots of people had degrees, but it was encouraged to learn on the job, even for science. So I left school with just O-levels and I went and got my A-levels and ONC and HND on day release. Mm. And that was encouraged. Um, they, they encouraged me. And so I did that um, and really enjoyed it. And I'm not very good at going backwards, mm. you know, to go, start back at the, the sort of ground level again. So um, I never went back to it, which 
I mean, it's turned out okay. So when was that? What can you remember around? Um, that time? Yeah, I left school around sixty. Eight, hmm. 68, 69, and I had my first baby in 74. So it was only five years, but when you're that age, five years is a lifetime. Yeah. Um, and I did progress from um, very much junior assistant to a senior assistant. And when you become a senior assistant, you actually work with one, they're called reporting officers. They're the, the forensic scientists that are responsible for individual cases. And so I was um, the like full time assistant of a senior reporting officer, who who his specialism was murders. So I did a lot. I did did a lot of murders. I love a bit of detective murder work. (laughs) Yeah, I did. I did. I mean, yeah, I did love it. It was Mm. you know, us assistants. We did all the work actually, and the reporting officers just used our findings Mm. and wrote their reports. I did go to a post mortem once. Which is fascinating. Um, I I wasn't squeamish. I wasn't. I'm a bit more squeamish now. I've got older. Yeah. But I wasn't squeamish then. Um, somewhere I don't know where, but somewhere there is a picture of me standing in a white lab coat by a you know proper old fashioned lab bed with a leg on it. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> that was found. Um, was found on a golf course in Leatherhead. It was a very famous murder at the time, actually. Mm. So yeah, I loved it. Mm. I loved it. But you know, left to have a baby and never went back. Right. And so is that when you made the transition into doing nails? Sort of, yeah. There was a little bit in between, in between, um, because I, in in between all of that, I got divorced Mm. um, and then I got married again and had two, two more children. So in between the first and the the next two, I did behavioural therapy. I know that's a bit of a strange thing, but actually that has stood me in very good stead because my science brain has worked for me for the whole of my career and the behavioral therapy part that I did and I went on quite a few courses actually because I found that fascinating has really helped um with my teaching side because Mm. I've been a teacher for well for a long long time I've been a qualified adult teacher you know that the psychology of learning is really fascinating Mm. and that's what I learned in behavioral therapy right that was a game for a few years and then, when my youngest child started play school, that was the big change mm. that I didn't know was going to be a big change because it wasn't planned. Right. And I was just fluffing off doing something fluffy. <laughs> so I thought. <laughs> Cut to 2019, but yeah. <laughs> so I've got it written down, if I've done my research right, Marion. 1987, you started to do molecules? Yes, it was. 1987, yes. I actually, as I say, when my youngest went to play school, I went and did a makeup course, would you believe? Mm. It was six weeks full-time makeup course, and and it's a place that's no longer there. It used to be in Lambs Conduit Street. I learnt manicuring. What was that called? It was called Complexions Complexions International. Yes. Yeah, and who, and yeah. Was it Emma Koch? Yes, that's it. I was just trying to remember her name. Yes, she was one of the owners of it. Mm. And I bumped into her many years later, um, working with Pat McGrath, actually. And uh, I know your face, but I couldn't place it, couldn't place it. And she said the same to me. And Mm. we went back, and yes, she was one of the owners of Complexions International. So, funny, isn't it? I met Emma... Not long after I moved to London, which was in 1986, I moved to London. Wow. Um, enjoyed it a lot. Learned manicuring there. 
And I don't know, the, just these things, you know, you just have to be in the, well, either, either the right place or the wrong place at the right time yeah. or the wrong time. <laughs> and there was a small chain of beauty salons that I was introduced to. And the guy that owned it wanted, he was quite forward thinking, actually, looking back. He wanted to open what was what he wanted to call a nail treatment centre. Mm. And he asked me to go and investigate nails, basically. So I went to the next trade show where it was like, easily three quarters beauty and a small quarter of nails mm. um, because it was minute then minute you know um, it had all come over from America basically so I did my bit of research there found some products found out you know as much as I could recommended to him what I thought he could take on he wanted to train his staff and so there was no formal training well there's not a huge amount of formal training even now, although there should be, but that's another story. It's another <laughs> interview, Neil. <I'm> <laughs> we can okay. do that one another time, <laughs> yeah, for exactly, sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was the brands that used to do really short courses. Hmm. So he wanted all his staff to be trained. So I spoke to the company and said, look, if I, if I bring however many, four or five, to do this course, can I do it for free? So they said, yes, you can. So I'm like, okay. So that's what I did. I went along wow. with these people. I thought, actually, this is really interesting. Mm. And what was interesting for me was the science. And that's the whole point. That's how I got into nails, was yeah. the science. Because nobody knew what the products did. Nobody could answer the question, yes, but why do you do that? Why do you have to? Nobody knew. So your science brain was digging, yes, it wasn't it? it kicked in, yeah. thinking, yeah, but I need to know this. Because yeah. I can't do it if I don't understand why I'm doing this. Mm. these different steps so that's that's what hooked me in and right. it wasn't a plan it wasn't it just happened yeah and then I thought oh I quite like doing this and oh this is quite a good idea oh I think people will like this mm. there was probably half a dozen nails only salons in the whole of the UK at really the time. yeah, yeah. So I was going to ask you that because I know that this only nail salon opened and I was going to say, you know, was it the first one or was it like... No, I wouldn't like to few? say it was the first one. I don't know at the time. I didn't know of any others. But, I mean, I'm sure there must have been. Yeah. There must have been some around the country. But it was definitely not... It was unheard yeah. of, though, yeah, unheard of. Yeah. Well, the mums at the, at the gates of the school, you know, when, um, when you know, having conversations with them. You're opening what? Doing nails? What are you doing here? No, I'm not doing hair. Mm. What are you doing? Waxing? No, not doing... I'm <laughs> just doing nails. And, you know, that that sentiment has has followed me around my whole career. Mm. Because when I started doing the whole fashion side, the whole media side, I'd go to a studio, introduce... Hi, I'm Marion. I do, I do the nails. Do you do the makeup? No, don't do the makeup. Would you do the hair? No, I don't do the hair. You only do nails? Yep. Yeah. And that started at the school gates. Wow. <laughs> you, you're going to have a salon that only does nails. Yeah. Yes, I am. I guess back then, having your nails done wasn't considered necessarily a treat or a treatment in any way, was it? It was... Not really. But if because most of the products came from the States, um, and, I've, and I'd researched the States, obviously, to see what mm. they had there... And it was very much a thing there, very much. And also it was very much a thing in France. You know, French ladies got their nails done. Right. And there were places in uh, in London, like the department stores. Mm. Goranges, I remember one of them, which is about... <laughs> Goranges. was in Hoban. Play on words there, I think. <laughs> Goranges. And I knew somebody that was a manicurist 
that worked in that store. And I used to think, a manicurist, what sort of job is that? Mm. You know, by this time, I when, when I knew that person, I was a forensic scientist, and you know, the biggest yeah. knees, yeah. you know, highbrow and all of that. I'm, <laughs> I'm clever, what? I mean, <laughs> ridiculous. But yeah, there was somebody as a, that was a manicurist, and I thought, how could that be a job? Mm. But anyway, it obviously is a job and has been for a long time. Mm. Um, and, you know, there were people in Hollywood that they made their living and doing nails. And, and that's where, you know, when, when I've done sort of research about where nails and the whole nail services thing came from, mm. um, do you know, I mean, women did used to have their nails done in, in the sort of 30s, 40s, 50s. Right. But they were always like red or pink. Mm. And it wasn't until Technicolor came along that the nails that were being done for the film, then the colour mattered. So it wasn't until that Hollywood Technicolor era came right. along that different colour nail polish started to be oh, important. Wow, that's interesting. It's only red or pink. Yeah. So, you know, it was the red or red. Which probably red is very dark or grey, right? In yeah. Well, it doesn't mean... Yes, it's either that there or not, mm. really, isn't it? Mm. You know, the, the red would, would be as a very dark grey. Right. Yeah. Um, and it is the Revlon red. That's what, you know, it was Revlon that started mm. it. And it was the red. Yeah. And that's what all they all wore. And then wow. Technicolor came along and actually shades of red became important. And then mm. shades of pink became important. And, you know, that and that's where it actually started. Yeah. Oh wow, that's interesting. Mm. No, it's funny because I've I've written down here as well, Marion. There's just, just some notes myself. I said because only a few manicurists even now are celebrated in the world of fashion, aren't they? Where I first started meeting manicurists when I was on shoots when I was living in New York, which was in the late nineties, and so you had people like Cheryl Bailey, yeah, Bernadette Thompson, and Jin Soon. They were the ones I met, and I. Yeah. I'd come from London and never been on a shoot where there was a manicurist before. But I remember, you know, obviously Cheryl, Bernadette and Jean have gone on to be become huge names now in the industry. But I remember when I came back to London, you were the first manicurist I met on a shoot in London, mm. which was early 2000s. And I know you'd already been doing shoots by then, hadn't you? But yeah. I wasn't living here. But then, yeah, and then suddenly it was like, I remember being on a shoot. I can't remember what it was because I trying to remember which shoot it was but I remember and you were there and you were doing nails and I'd always known makeup artists to do the nails yes. before yeah it was always then and they used to hate doing it yeah, they'd exactly. always be like oh I've got to do nails oh I've got to do them carry this varnish around yeah <laughs> but then you appeared and then all of a sudden I remember slowly over probably about a period of the next five years more and more manicurists appeared on shoots mm. it's funny because I've actually written for my notes, mm. that to me, you became the UK queen of nails. Oh, thank <laughs> you, <laughs> And I wanted to say to you, um, I wanted to ask you actually, why do you think that happened? And do you think it's because you persisted with your career? And, and obviously you're talking about the science thing and all that kind of thing. Do you think your persistence is what drove you through as a, to become kind of like what I consider the queen of nails here? Oh, thank <laughs> you. Yes, it it is, it is definitely 100% a story of persistence. Mm. It really is because I got that, what I was saying earlier about, and what do you do? Yeah. You only do. I got that day in, day out. And I mean, most of the time it was fine, but sometimes mm. it could be a little bit soul destroying. And, you know, nails are at the bottom of the pile. I accepted that a long time ago. I mean, mm. at, the, at the beginning, I didn't think so, obviously, yeah. because, you know, I thought what I was doing was, was relatively important, relatively. But then, you know, as time went on, I, I understood how the hierarchy worked. I understood mm. how the whole team thing 
um, in a studio worked and thought, well, you just got to get over yourself, haven't you? Because mm. you have to, it is what it is. And, it, and if you don't like it, go. Yeah. You know? And so I decided, no, I'm not going to go. I'm going to keep doing this because one of the things my dad actually going back to my parents, one of the things my, my dad was very, very supportive. My mum was too, but my dad more so. He always said to me, you can be what you want. You can do what you want if, yeah. if, you, if you're determined enough mm. um, and if you work hard enough. And he always said that. I think that is a great sentiment to instill into your children. And he was always very proud of everything. He made it very clear that he was really proud. So everything my, both my sister and I knew was that our parents thought we were wonderful mm. and we could be and do whatever we wanted. And so I grew up believing that. Yeah. So, yes, it was a story of persistence. Mm. Um, and it was just, yeah, I'm going to do this and I'm going to make a career out of this and mm. I'm going to make money out of this. I don't think I trod on anybody doing it, but I just like no. I'm going to keep going. I don't think there was there. anyone else doing it here? Was there? Really? No, I don't. Well, not there were there were some people that had sort of started doing it mm. here and there. Well, there was only one Glynis. Uh, I can't remember her surname, Glynis, but I remember Glynis, somebody called Glynis being around, and she had a salon as mm-hmm. well. So you know, she'd do the odd little thing I that I'd Glynis, hear about yeah. Glynis. Yeah. yeah, can't think. What Is I it said Glynis Barber? No. No, that's an actress. Oh, that's an actress. That was. <laughs> Who was that? That was that girl with a fabulous haircut. Yeah. Dempsey and Lake. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. But anyway. Um, Yeah, but I remember Clinis. Yeah, well, she she was working in a salon and, you know, I sort of hear, you know, like people talk, oh, there was something. And I'm like, oh, you know, there is somebody doing it. But I'm... But how did you make that transition from going, like being in a nail, an only, a nail only shop and then suddenly doing that, doing that. Well, how did that I've happen? been teaching a lot and I've done a lot of work within the professional nail industry yeah and I mean there's there, there is a very for me a very specific and important story mm. I was part of um, an association at the time which was the only one um, because the industry was tiny then, mm. and everybody knew everybody and I was very active in that for a number of years, actually. I'd been involved in writing the MVQs, which, which came right. right at the beginning of the 90s. The MVQs started then, mm. and manicuring and nail technology was part of beauty therapy. And I fought long and hard to get it separated. And it was separated eventually, mm. towards, the, towards the end of the 90s, I think. Mm. So I was quite active. And then a rather famous photographer was doing a commercial shoot and it didn't involve any hair and makeup it only involved hands and nails and the brief was that they wanted the nails to match the shoes because it was for a shoe company mm. and there was no you know you couldn't go anywhere you couldn't go to the agencies and say oh i need something yeah, to I mean, come and do. yeah. it just didn't manicures were represented then, no, not they? at all mm. not at all and and nobody knew if anybody did anything like that and they mostly didn't so it was actually the association, which used to be called, it's long gone, the International Nail Association. Mm-hmm. And you could find it in the yellow pages <laughs> because there was no Google or anything oh, then. Oh, I love the yellow pages. <laughs> it, was, yeah, it was the yellow pages. And if you looked under nails, you could find the International Nail Association. Yeah. So a phone call was made to the office of the association and they said, oh, we want someone to come and do blah, blah, blah. And I happened to be the president of the association at the time. And so they called me and said, we've had this call and about I'm like oh I can do nails all right then and it, and you're gonna get paid I'm like really I'm gonna get paid am I mm. oh, that's quite nice then I think it was like 200 pounds or something mm. and I thought that was so much money 
Anyway, I toddled along to this studio that I thought was very, very dodgy, very seedy. I thought, I don't know that I should be here, really. Didn't know it was awful from always, the outside. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> not um, so much now, but... Not so much, but, yeah, definitely then. Mm. And, you know, up this very dodgy staircase and wasn't quite sure what was going on down in the basement but it had a strange smell about it so you know it was a bit of a clue um anyway so I went into the studio and I met some lovely people and it was a shoe story and all they wanted me to do was to put longer nails on and to make sure the color exactly matched the shoes and there were some quite unusual colors in there so it was a little bit of a challenge but I thought you know it's fine I can do that so I did it had nice conversations with everybody and then went home thinking oh they were really nice people it's nice working in a studio isn't it mm. where there was just a photographer assistant stylist and no hair or makeup just yeah. me anyway I can't remember how I did find out because there was no internet and no google I did find out quite soon after that the photographer was Nick Knight and the stylist was Lucinda Chambers. <laughs> just so happens. It just so happens. So, you know, if you're going to start anywhere, then why not start at the top? Brilliant, yeah. So I, I had actually had a conversation with Lucinda um, during the day. She, she'd never had a manicurist on, mm. on a shoot because, as you say, makeup artists used to do it. Yeah. But she'd never seen anybody make nails longer and make them look real and longer yeah. and mix colours so that you got the exact match. So she hadn't seen that. No. Um, so that was good. So I made an and impression. luckily for you, because I remember I, I've interviewed Lucinda and her interview ran a few weeks ago. She actually has a real passion for beauty. Yeah. Which is great for people like you and me exactly so probably then she was i can imagine lucinda being so intrigued about it because she has a love for beauty and detail and it's a detail isn't it Mm. i mean it is detail for a fashion for a fashion um stylist to love beauty it means they love the detail i think yeah and 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 creating the whole person Mm. you know it's not it's not just a model wearing the clothes it's a person wearing the clothes and the person has to have their own identity yeah and so i think that's you know she's always had that hasn't mm, she I mean, she's mm. a fabulous stylist yeah fabulous yeah, amazing yeah so you know we were chatting during the day and she said not long before i mean months perhaps but certainly not years weeks weeks or months before she'd uh there'd been a, a cover of vogue that had kate moss on the front and she had grubby nails, so there was a mark on her nails, or there was something about mm. her nails. And Vogue got letters, obviously not emails, Vogue got letters to say, how can you put a model like <laughs> Kate Moss on the front cover of Vogue and she's got grubby nails? And Lucinda, you know, was like, wow. So not long after that, I got called back um, and did my first cover of Vogue. Wow. Which was Kate Moss. With Kate happens. Moss, yes. wasn't it? Yeah, it I was knew Kate that was Moss. your first one. Yeah. And yeah, with there's... not grubby nails. <laughs> with not grubby nails. And one little tiny nail on the cover. Yeah. And yeah, Robin Derrick was the art director at the time. And he put that little nail in between, I think it's the O and the U or the U and the G. Mm. I'm spelling it right. But anyway, <laughs> there's a little one little tiny nail that is on the cover of Vogue. And so that was my first Vogue cover. And and that was it. Mm. And then I think, you know, slowly, slowly, people started to realise that quite often a manicurist or a nail technician might be needed. It can be a big statement and crazy stuff. So, mm. you know, it slowly, slowly came around. And I, and I was doing more and more work. And it, actually, that was the year I did my very first fashion show, which, I mean, when I think back, 
I didn't have a clue. <laughs> Did you feel a bit sort of like rabbit in the headlights with it? Absolutely. I had 50 mm. models and I took one assistant. Oh, God, Marion. I've already got heart palpitations thinking about it. I didn't have a clue. It. But, I mean, I mean, and we had to go to Paris as well. It was Alexander McQueen for Givenchy Couture. And... Again, another amazing <laughs> I mean, start at the top job to be, exactly. yeah, to be starting with. And I, well, fortunately for only one model. But um, I got a message for him that he wanted long, long, long spiral nails. And I've still got, well, actually, you'll, you'll see it when you read my book, which I'm sure we'll mention at some point. Um, I've got his original sketch of mm. what the, spir- the, the look he wanted for the spiral nails. So, I mean, nobody had done anything like that. And, mm. I, and I had to, you see, this is when the science came in, because I had to really yeah, work out how to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not normal, is it? No. <laughs> no. It's not normal. So So not you don't mean as in a spiral drawn on the nail. No. He actually wanted the nail in the shape of a spiral. Yeah. yeah. I mean if you'd have stretched them out flat, they were probably about twelve, thirteen inches long. Wow. Um but it, yeah, they were in a spiral and ten of them, you know. Mm-hmm. I've I've said people think I'm a bit crazy, my assistants do, that this is a really silly thing to say, but I mean it. <laughs> I mean it wholeheartedly. I wish we didn't have ten fingers. <laughs> because I, if by the time I've made four, I'm bored. <laughs> I don't want to make six more. Yeah. Like, okay, done that. You know what I was saying about my creativity? Yeah. When I've done it, I've done it. Move on. Yeah. So You don't want to hang around with it. No. And ten is too many. Mm. You don't want to get to know it too well, right? No. <laughs> we just need we just need a forefinger and a thumb. That'll do nicely, thank you. <laughs> And then the other six have gone, but you know. So hang on, you had 50 models. Yeah. 10 fingers each. Yes. I'm trying to work out what this is. That's 500 spiral nails. And me and somebody else. And you and one other person. No, I only had to make one set of spiral nails. Thank goodness. Oh, I thought you had to make them for all of them. No. So who wore those? Can you remember? I can remember. It was Deborah Shaw. Wow. And I've seen Deborah Shaw many times since, and and recently as well, because she's sort of back with a bang, actually, Mm. considering that was. 20 that was 90 um 97 mm. so that's 22 years ago yeah that show she wow. didn't moan she didn't win she was i think you know she was just happy to be in the show and to be who to be the the character that he wanted her to be yeah and that's the thing isn't it mm. if the designer yeah. wants that then you, you've got to you, give it to you, them yeah you've got to give it to them exactly yeah and deborah is back and she's looking just the same oh, really? I've and not seen just her. as beautiful mm. you ended up becoming part of nick knight's team didn't you and yes. obviously along with the amazing sam mcknight and val garland yeah working on so many shoots for vogue with them and then also the really famous dior campaigns that you all did which is years of it when john galliano was there wasn't it yeah. What was that like, Marion, as a, you know, to work on that with all those people and John and, because, you know, what was interesting, I used to go and do the lookbooks for Dior the same time with Sean Ellis, who was a photographer who used to be Nick's who old was, assistant, uh, yeah. and obviously we would see the campaigns and we weren't allowed to copy them, but we had mm. to do similar things for the um the lookbooks and everything so it was funny because we used to be a bit privy to what had been shot before it was actually released and mm. it was all very kind of like you can't tell anybody, tell anybody. yeah no, but, it was um, funny because there were you know that whole that whole deal thing which was a way of life i mean we sam and i we often talk about it and we talk they were the golden years yeah they really were for many 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 reasons they were mm. the golden years not just for Dior, but you know for this job that we do yeah they were the golden years and they've gone 
Well, what a great thing to have 10 years on ten a campaign. Solid years. I mean, that's yeah. almost unheard of now, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And it, and it got long. more and more because it started off with the ready to wear. Um, and then, it, it, you know, as John got more and more involved with Dior, he ended up like creative director of every single thing. So as mm-hmm. time went on, it was ready to wear and then it was the accessories. So it was all the handbags. It was the shoes. Then it was the fragrance. Then it was couture that came on. So it, we, we were doing like every every two months or so we mm. were doing a Dior campaign. But it was funny because... I was the first one on it, and Sam and Val weren't on the first two. I think ah, no, they okay. weren't. It was it was Stephen Murray and Odile Gilbert on the very first one, mm. and I remember it so clearly. And that was a pinch me moment because it was like Linda Evangelista, it was Yasmin Guri, it was Shalom Harlow, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm in this room, heaven in one room, right? Exactly. At a model level, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, then the next season, I think it might. I don't know if it was Sam Val then, but certainly I think by the third season, um, definitely Sam had come along, if not the second. Definitely Sam had come along, and then maybe a season or two later, Val came along, mm. and then that was it. And then mm. it stayed like that until it, it actually finished. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was ten years worth. But so so we were the we were the team that did the campaigns. Pat McGrath and was it? Could, it might have been Orlando actually. Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah, mm. might have been Orlando. Anyway, so. That's funny because we would do the campaign straight after the show. And in and in those days, it was a video. It was a showreel, wasn't it? Mm. So we'd be there with John and Stephen um, in a studio somewhere doing the campaign. Within a couple of days, the showreel's coming, the showreel's coming. <laughs> so the showreel would come of both Ready to Wear and Couture. Mm. Um, no, I don't mean Couture. I mean John Galliano, you know, his yeah. own label. So Dior and Galliano. And so the two show reels would come and we'd have a break in and we'd all sit around wow. and watch the show going, oh my God. And then you'd see the campaign. Yeah. So it was all like a, a sort of a rolling mm. road show, really. Yeah. Wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. So, yeah. It yeah. Was, but it was fabulous. All good things come to an end, though, don't they? Yeah. I and think... it's right. It's right. Mm. Isn't it? And it's... in a way, I think sometimes when they go on for too long, it can start, you, everyone can start becoming a bit complacent yeah. with things. Yeah. Whereas when it ends, even if it's abrupt, it can be, you then have amazing memories to look back on. Exactly. Which is kind of what life's about really, isn't it? It is. And and, and I'm definitely one of these people that welcome change. I don't mind change at all. Yeah. I, I think change is, is good. And it's not, it's, you know, it shouldn't be worry, worrisome. It shouldn't be a problem. It's like, no, it's a new challenge. And yeah. Where's this going to take us? Because... Mm one door closes and the next one opens and sometimes that next door is even better than the first talking about change i wanted to ask you about nail art because obviously that has expanded hasn't it and Mm. become again something so unexpected over the years um in terms of what can be done what's out there there's nail bars absolutely almost on every high street now isn't there what are your thoughts on all of that marion there's not a huge amount new in the world, I have to say, because mm. um, I'll tell you a little story. It'll be a short one, but I for four years, the only time I've actually been employed in this career of mine, this nail career of mine, was for four years from '97 to '01, actually, mm. um, and it was '01 that I gave everything else up to just do sessions. During these four years, when I was employed, I was employed by a company that developed um, nail products, and we had quite a lot of brands. And I have to say that for over two years, 
of that those four years, mm-hmm. we developed a brand that was exclusively for QVC. Was that United Beauty? Yes. yes. United Beauty. Mm. Yeah, I've done your research. <laughs> it was United Beauty. Yeah, we had mm-hmm. something like 13 brands at yeah. one point. Half for professional, half for retail. Mm. And so one of the brands was de- was developed um, purely for QVC. Right. And it was nail art. And it was kits of nail art, all with a theme. Um, and I was the technical and training director at the time. Mm. And myself and the sales director... We were on QVC solidly for over two years. Wow. Which was an experience. Yeah. And, you know, all the stuff we used to put in those kits, because they were they were all, you know, in, a, in beautifully packaged in a box with a theme, and there'd be all little containers of this and that, and, you know, all sorts of stuff we'd put together mm, under this yeah. theme, all costing around the sort of £20 mark, I suppose. Well, all of the stuff is... It's back now. Yeah. I don't think nails should have a trend because nails please the person that pleases the person that's wearing them because you're looking at them all day. Yeah. It's definitely big at the moment. Mm. It's had a little lull. It's definitely back. But you know what I think at the moment is really cool is the less is more approach mm. to it. Mm. The the little detail, you know, the very chic tiny little detail that's on and now that you can't see from a distance you've got to go close to see mm. i think that is what is really cool at the moment mm. and simple but clever there's a whole massive massive section of the professional nail industry globally actually mm. like japan and um the eastern european countries definitely america they are loving all this extreme nail art like yeah. 3d stuff with 3D flowers on there and great big long nails that are like 18 inches long and Mm. they're loving that at the moment it's fun but it's not commercial yeah you know you can't do that stuff in a salon and make the right amount of money Mm -hmm. the good side is that it's fun it's creative it teaches you to use products and manipulate products Mm -hmm. better it's good for competitions and there's a lot of competitions in the world Um, are there is there like yeah. Nail competitions everywhere. Well, I'm on on Friday. I'm flying to Gothenburg in Sweden because I'm judging at a competition there. Wow. Yeah, they're they're all the time, all over the place. Mm. So it's good for things like competitions, but I think it the, the real world does get a little bit lost because at the end of the day, you've got to be able to make money for the consumer, for the clients. Yeah. yeah. And that stuff, it's like mm. avant-garde hair, you know. Yeah. You can't charge. It has its place. Your, it has its place. But people yeah. aren't going to walk around with it. They're not going to walk around and they're not going to pay for the amount of time it takes to do. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, the nail artists that are out there are phenomenal, some of them. Unbelievable mm. what they can do, which is great, but yeah. it's got its place. And and so many people, instead of, you know, learning the basics properly, mm. they just want to hurry their way through and get onto the fun stuff. And, yeah. and I think that's a big mistake. But. Yeah. Yeah. Well, ultimately, I think, like you say, even if you're going to become like a session makeup, um, a session manicurist, you've got to know how to do beautiful nails, haven't you? Absolutely. Just gorgeous, simple. You'll do nine of those and one of the other. Yeah, exactly. It is, and you know, it's like I was saying ages ago, get over it. Yeah. You know, because certainly in fashion, nails are just a detail. Yeah. And, you know, that. I always think how I how I sort of talk myself into it, if you like, because I did have to get over it sometimes, is that, you know, hair is the silhouette mm. of, of this person, whoever it might be, male or female. Makeup is the character. 
and then all of that goes together to form the complete person. Mm. Well, how big are nails in that? They're yeah. not, are they? Mm. That you know, mm. the chances are they're just there for good grooming, or they're yeah. I mean, fortunately, Nick Knight he he loves nails because he yeah. loves the expression of hands. Mm. You know, he looks at those details, and, yeah. and he's got some. He's said some beautiful, beautiful quotes. One of them is something like the um, the end note of a melody never to be forgotten or something. I mean, beautiful, poetic things like that yeah. because he loved the expression of hands because you mm. do use your hands to express yourself. But, you know, basically in fashion, that's what they are. And, yeah. and they're never going to be any more than that. Mm. So, you know, when you sit around in a studio and you're getting your brief or, you know, what we're going to do today... Um, obviously the fashion if it's fashion that comes first and then and then hair is mm. all, it always seems to be the next one yeah then, then there's the big discussion with hair yeah then comes the discussion with makeup mm. and then usually i'm oh excuse me oh 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 oh, oh. <laughs> you're and, and you're the oh and can we oh, just talk about nails we just yeah, yeah yeah oh i think clean don't you yes <laughs> So, I mean, it's just what it is. Yeah. It's what it is. Mm. And that's the real world, actually. Yeah. And I'm, I'm fine with that. Mm. But after United, you went to do some stuff for Mac, didn't you? And you developed a little... I did, ...line yeah. within Mac. I did, yeah. I did, um, well, I, I did a lot of their campaigns. Lots and lots and lots. Mostly with Miles Aldridge, but sometimes mm. with Solva. Sometimes with um, Tim... Oh... Walker? Walker! Goodness sake. <laughs> it's not a good name day today, is it? <laughs> well, it's never a good name day for me. Yeah, Tim Walker. So um, I do like nearly all of their mm. campaigns because fortunately they would do them over here. Occasionally they took me to New York and I'd do some there. And so I did lots and lots of things. And the, the creative director, senior vice president at the time, James Gage, James Gager, he was always there. And, and he was always... He'd come and be quite fascinated about how I mixed colours. Mm. And he liked colours that were slightly off. And I love colours that are off. I'm far I'm far more on the dark side than they are than mm. I am on the cutesy side. Yeah. Um and so we 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 got on really well and and he'd bring over, you know, nail polish that they'd made in the labs over there, as you know, or maybe it's this, and he'd and he'd always give me the bottle and say, Miriam, make it beautiful. <laughs> Okay then, um, but beautiful to him was an off colour. Yeah, it wasn't the obvious. So you know, I worked with him for a very long time. We got on very, very well. And then, yeah, they suggested would I like to do a nail polish range for them, and I was like, oh, mm. go on then. That'd be very nice, thank you. Yeah. Um, and also they used to sponsor me for lots and lots of shows, which mm. again, they were they were quite you know they'd sponsored makeup forever. You know that's like yeah. max. Mm. beginnings isn't it you know, well yeah the and they were the first brand to think about doing that also weren't they yes. about sponsoring exactly people for shows sponsoring people for shows mm. so you know they so they've done that i mean the majority of shows didn't they at yeah. the beginning the majority of shows in all the cities yeah um and then and you know this was all around the same time i was doing the campaigns with them mm. and i think they thought oh why aren't we sponsoring nails too so they actually took me over to new york um, for a couple of seasons because they wanted to they wanted to like introduce Mac nails mm. to shows so they took me over to do it for them which was great yeah and it just progressed from there and then they said would you like to do and I was like oh yes please and mm. I was expecting to get a very definite brief because we always got a definite brief for the campaigns they knew exactly what they wanted yeah exactly and James was absolutely you know it's this and that so I was expecting to get 
a breeze. And so when I was like, okay, great, what do you want me to do? The answer was, whatever you like. Well, where do you start? <laughs> In a way, a great answer, but then also, yeah, but where, it's like opens what, a massive, yeah. like, avenue and, of... Exactly. Right? And you've got to, like, bring it down to something. Yeah. And, and you know, anything like that has got to have a story behind mm. it. So, you know, not only did it have to be colours that made sense and were commercial, but there had to be a story behind mm. it. I, I like things to mull, you know. I like... They don't keep me awake. In fact, I can go to sleep thinking about something and I'll, and I'll sleep and then I'll wake up with the next morning with yeah, an answer because yeah. your brain has carried on going, hasn't it? Mm. So I mulled about it for a while and thought, I'm going to base it on Mac, which is all about colour and creativity. I went, they took me again, they took me over to New York and I went to their factory mm. um, in New Jersey. Uh, I'd, I had, I'd already mixed colours myself and I knew what I wanted I knew the effects I wanted and so we spent quite a long time mixing things in the factory um, until I was happy with them and then the girl that was in charge of doing that as it turned out she was so blown away by the story Mm. because it was colour and creativity together it wasn't just a colour plonk it on your nail there it is yeah you could layer it it would change colours it would do we called it transformations actually Mm. in the end and it was all based on the Mac creativity, basically, their makeup. So she went back to the head office and, and said to the factory, you know, look at this and showed them the swatches and everything. Anyway, I got a call. Would you mind coming to the head office and explaining your story for mm. the polishes? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. Went into the head office um, in Soho, I think, in New York. Um, was shown into this massive, very impressive boardroom thinking, hmm. I had about 25 people that had come and sat around this massive boardroom table. Fortunately, James came in and sat next to me. So there was one face I knew. Mm. And I was like, grief. (laughs) And it was overwhelming. It it was overwhelming. Well, I didn't expect it. Mm. And so I had the colours there and I knew the the story. I'd I'd done two ranges by this time. I'd done the main one and I'd done a colour range as well, um, a seasonal range. Mm. And so, anyway, it turned out they were the marketing people, they were the sales people, they were the, you know, they were all of those people. Mm. And so, you know, there am I. And, oh, there's the other president. She came and sat opposite me and looked at me and said, Marion, what have you done? Oh, I don't know. What have I done? And then all these people were just sort of sitting around. And so I, they said, you know, explain what it is. And I didn't know whether it was good or bad. Right. So I explained what it was. I showed them the swatches. I sh- I told them the story behind it, that it followed Mac, their whole ethos. Silence. Oh, God. oh no. Awful. <laughs> what and an awful then moment. the marketing person who was sitting... I mean, I can picture it now. I can point to where the marketing person <laughs> was sitting. Yeah. The marketing, the chief of the head marketing person that was sitting there with about six other people. And she said... I don't know what to say. Oh, my goodness. <sighs> Come on, somebody. So you didn't really know what they thought? No. No. It, you know, it It was seconds, but it felt like... Yeah, months. yeah. Eventually, after that, I got the... Oh, my God, that's amazing. Never seen anything like it before. Mm. Because I... Ch- I mean, it was stuff I knew. You know, I know nail polish. And what God, you must do have been with so nails. relieved when someone I said that. Like, made a huge mistake <laughs> yeah. so yeah that was and then James 
as I say, it was sitting next to me. He le- he leant across and whispered into my ear, Marion, I knew you could do it. Mm. We did a massive global launch in Lake Como, mm. which was one of those pinch me moments with 150 global press in the opera house in Como. Oh, and I'm on the big stage all on my own with a huge, great backdrop of nails that I'd made mm. for the campaign and just me with a little microphone. And I have to say, I was so, not overwhelmed, so fascinated by the inside of this. It's like being inside a wedding cake because, you know, it was the opera house. It was incredible. And I don't know why, but for some reason, I felt like Evita. (laughs) So I went on the stage. You had to burst into song. I did. I did. I went right to the front of the stage. I didn't burst into song because I would have gone home. But I went to the front of the stage and did the whole Evita moment with the, with the hands up saying, I'm sorry, but I've just got to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I've just got to think for one second that I am Evita. Brilliant. Yeah, that was a pinch me moment. Great. And having a, getting picked up like James Bond on a boat and going up, <laughs> shooting over the lake in black, yeah. my husband in black tie and all the other people in black tie to go to this villa where we were having dinner. Yeah, it was incredible. And then, unfortunately, a couple of years after that, Mac decided they didn't want to sell nail polish anymore. So, oh, so that ended. That, that was the end of that. But now you are a brand ambassador for CND, aren't you? Which I am. is creative nail design. It's funny because I looked it up, so I was like, "What does CND, CND mean?" And as a, it's also campaign for nuclear, nuclear disarmament. disarmament. <laughs> <laughs> so let's make it clear: you're not brand ambassador for campaign for nuclear disarmament. Absolutely not. It's you're nothing you're, to it's do with bonds. Creative nail design. Creative nail design. Yeah. Which they were called for many, many years, and they've they've just you know smartened it up and called it CND. Yeah, they've got a great story, haven't they? To how it all started with the guy who was a dentist yes. before, wasn't he? Yeah, well, a lot of yeah. I mean, the nail industry came from dentistry actually, mm, mm. Um, and hearing aids. Well, <laughs> just <laughs> randomly. Randomly, yeah. Well, it, they're all it's all plastic, basically. Mm. It's all plastic. So yes, they have a lovely story, and it was a family. It, was a family business it's now owned by revlon so you know the family's part of it is still there actually mm. to to a certain degree but yes it was a guy who was a dentist and he had five or six children i think um and for various reasons he decided to try out using what he used in dentistry for you know fillings and yeah crowns and all that sort of stuff to see you know if it worked to it to extend the the natural nail to make mm. the nails longer mm. he tried it out and and obviously it's safe to use because it goes in your mouth so well, you know yeah, yeah so he tried it out and then it did work and so he handed the whole concept over to his children and they made a massive success of it massive success so what's your role well it's yeah it's quite a nice role actually because all i do is that they between us we decide some good fashion shows because they're very fashion orientated mm. the co-founder who was one of those children back that, that in fact this year is their 40th anniversary right so ruby anniversary this year so 40 years ago she was one of those children and mm. she was like the creative arm of the family if you like the others were like more businessy more logistics and mm. she's the creative she's always played a very big part in the creative side of creative nail design yeah and the fashion more you know the, the fashion side of it and the artistry mm. that's her big big passion Mm. so what they do is they sponsor um i do a lot of shows i do 20 plus each season so the ones that the shows that are interested in having the more artistic nails cnd sponsor basically so i work with them on certain shows they've always been my go-to brand all of this time 
So um, I wouldn't, from a professional point of view, I wouldn't have chosen any other, actually, mm, as it mm. happened. So, yeah, this is my third year. Are you enjoying it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I've am i had a fairly big birthday recently. Mm. So, last week in I won't ask. <laughs> you can it's say if you want. Big. You um, can say if you want. Well, it's not an O, it's a, a five. Oh, um, okay. I was 65 last week. Amazing. So, I am... <laughs> You yeah, made it. I made it. Yeah, it's okay, actually. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, you look great, so don't worry. Yeah. So I, I have cut down a huge amount. I don't do nearly as many shoots. And you know what? What is lovely, and I'm sure you and other sessions people would know exactly what I mean. Changing your mindset to be able to say no mm. is so invigorating, yeah. and so you know, you, you you feel like you've escaped from this. I mean, mm. I've loved it all, but you. you driven aren't you you know yeah. this whole job that we've it's done it's a slight hamster wheel isn't it yeah because you're you're almost nervous to get off it because you feel if you, you, you can't get back on you can't get back on if you jump off exactly yeah and you know if you've if you've had a, the same client for a number of years and then you say no yeah well that's it yeah they've gone mm. you know you can't think oh i don't want to do it this time i'll do it next time though well it doesn't work yeah. like that we don't have that choice really do Not we really. no i wanted to ask you actually before we talk about the book because obviously that's very important that we talk <laughs> about the book because that is now i read that you in a recent interview that you did that not many people know about you you say not many people know about your personal life and even those that have known you for years, I mean, I've known you, what, 20 odd years? And I'll be honest with you, I don't know that much about you as a person outside of work. Mm. Obviously, the only thing that we have an affinity with outside of work is the dogs. Um, the dogs because our um, I know, for anybody that doesn't know who's listening, uh, Marion and I um, were both sort of big miniature schnauzer lovers. I had a schnauzer who sadly died, it's actually three years ago in June. Marion's dog Bertie, who recently died, who Just was a schnauzer ago. only two months ago, Ooh. so sad. Also miniature schnauzer, and we actually allowed them to have a dirty weekend. <laughs> They did have a very dirty week. And they produced, was it, was seven puppies, it was wasn't it, seven. but two died. Two died, yeah. Yeah. And so there are, we're officially sort of surrogate grandparents. We aren't are. We? Yeah. And yeah. and one of the puppies, I mean, five, you know, they all went to lovely homes. Like, well, I kept one. You kept one, didn't you? Which I is kept Piglet. the runt, which is Piglet. Yeah. <laughs> She's called Piglet because she looked like a Piglet. Because she was the runt of the litter, and she's still tiny. She's a teacup now, so mm. um, and she still behaves like a puppy. So the five, the other four that went to good homes, one of them has died. Which was somebody in um, in my village actually had this one. So we we'd see her Flossie, she was called, mm. and we'd see her quite a lot. And unfortunately, she got run over, Aww. which is horrible. I mean, devastating for the family. But mm. all the others are still around. And there was one boy in the in the litter. And that went to somebody who we both know, Zoe. Yeah, Zoe Pocock. Um, and he's Dave. And mm. she put, yeah, she had Dave, Dave the dog. And she put something on Instagram just, I think, last week. And she said, me and baby David are going to the shops now because the Easter eggs might be reduced. So it'll be a good day. <laughs> unless, something like, unless, of course, that the Halloween sweets have already taken their place. <laughs> So I haven't seen a picture of baby David for a long time. And so I messaged her to say, mm. you probably don't know, but, and so I, that Bertie died recently. And so because she knew Buster had died, mm. she said, baby David's an orphan. Oh. I'm like, yes, so's Piglet. Oh. <laughs> They're orphans. 
But what do you... You were saying that you've got time now to do other things. What other things do you do? Just out of interest. Just out of interest. Well... This is all for me, really. I'm just like, what are you up what, to, yeah, Marion? What, what are you doing in your spare time? Well, I do have a new puppy. Yeah. The house was too quiet with just one dog. We're, we're, we've always been a two-dog. So we have to have a new puppy. No, I've been doing a really, really interesting project with Sarovsky, mm. the head office Sarovsky. I've been working with them in Austria uh, for a year, over a year now, actually. Anyway, so we've been working on this project and we've just we've just sort of semi-launched it. It mm. launches properly next month um, in that we've put together an education programme for professional nail artists. The programme is like teaching them to be really confident in using Swarovski crystals in nail art because it's huge. Mm. It's huge, Swarovski right. crystals. But the programme they had, which has been incredibly successful, it didn't directly translate... Mm. to Europe um, and other countries. It was very, like, US-centric. We have altered it slightly. Mm. And so the UK is the pilot scheme. And we have our first team of 15 educators around the country that um, will be doing their workshops, as say, starting next month. And then the actual programme is getting rolled out all around the world. So the mm. next country will be, um, countries will be Scandinavia. It's going to go there. Japan are waiting to have it. Russia are waiting Germany, I think, Australia. So they're all we're doing the pilot scheme and ironing out the wrinkles now. Mm, mm. And then it gets rolled out to the rest of the world. So that's been a really nice yeah, a really amazing. nice thing to do. I've got a team of educators who I've chosen, we've done workshops, so I'm gonna be supporting them. Mm. Um they're doing the workshops. And then of course the book. Yeah, well the big book. <laughs> But a a big small big book, yeah. yeah. Which, by the way, for everybody that's listening, I just married just given me a copy, a lovely copy today because I hadn't seen it before because it's only been out a week, yes. hasn't it? Um, well, the twenty second of April, yeah. it launched here. Twenty third in the US. That's all oh, right. You do do your research. <laughs> Let's talk about your book now. As we we were talking earlier when you, when you first arrived here, um, this isn't your first book, is it? But this is more your first sort of. Imagery book, would you say? Book with yeah. images. It, yeah, well, it's, it's fashion. Um, yeah. I've written lots of textbooks. You know, there's the mm. science bit again and the teachery bit in me. So I've written lots yeah. of textbooks. And my first textbook published in 01. Was that the complete nail technician? It was. And the fourth edition of that was published in 17. So that's two years old. So I've roughly like updated those every four to five years. So I've had right. obviously four editions of that. I've co-written... A couple of other books as well. Mm. More beauty, you know, beauty and nails. So I've done the nails yeah. bit and somebody else has done the beauty bit. My nail, uh, The Complete Nail Technician, is the, the definitive textbook. It is the one and it's sold around the world. And um, mm. yeah, it's, it's. I, I don't, never say never, but when I finished that one, I thought that's it. I think I'm done. Yeah. You know, it's quite a long time. Oh, one to now, you know, mm. it's quite a long time. And oh, was it oh, one that book first? That first out? one, it was in oh, one, yeah. Wow. So it's a lot of hard work, and you don't get rich by writing textbooks. No. Which, I mean, I don't do it for the money. I unless do you're it because... Harry Potter. Oh, unless you're <laughs> Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah, I'm working on that one. <laughs> Actually, Me too. I'm still trying to find the story I can write that about. You can that write. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it is from the beginning of my my time in that studio when I was doing nails the for shoes. The smelly studio. Yeah, the smelly studio. Yeah. You know, what it's been like. Um, you know, the fact that I do turn up at shoots and I still get, oh, you just do nails? Yes, I mm, do. Yeah. So it's lots of, like, behind-the-scenes stories. There's lots of pictures that... Beautiful uh, pictures, by the way. Thank you. I'm looking at it right now well, again because I had a quick flick through. When well, you were I've worked... The cover's with... gorgeous. Yeah. Brilliant. I mean, it's 
I'm not a pastely person. I'm black. You know? I was going to say that's not. But it's quite considering you say you're more on the dark. I side. I am on the dark side, and I must admit, when because it was the the publishers decided that was their favourite picture, mm. and I mean they're right because it does stand out. And when when I looked at it, I was like, but I don't. I'm not pastel. Yeah. I'm just not. Um, but I did. There are a few things I said. Okay, well, if it's going to be that green, I love that picture. I love that photographer. I want the green to wrap right the way round. Right. No, no other colours. That green. Yeah. And, and can I have the spine curved? And I know that's. The, but I just wanted a curved you saw spine. It. Yeah. 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 It's taken a long time. It's taken over two years actually. Because, Has it? Yeah. I mean. Yeah. You know, putting together the pictures because they go from natural nails, you know, like the nothing that, yeah. <laughs> that we all know about, through to colour, through to the crazy stuff that I've done, which is, you know, obviously some of my favourite bits. Yeah. Um, and also stories of the people that I work with, which mm. has been the best part of the job. The best part of the job is the people. Yeah. There's one of yours I'm in just there. The one that I did. Your well. one that you did. The one that you did earlier. Oh. I think you'll find your credited in the back of the book. Oh, well. But you know what's lovely about this, from what I can see, is that when it's not like a when it's an actual fashion picture, it's nice to see how the hands are used in the shot and where actually the nails that you've done make mm. sense with the with the imagery. Yeah. Like what you were saying earlier, if it means doing nothing, it means doing nothing. Yeah. But then when you do something that complements everything, and what's great about this is that I think you know that picture, this one here, which is by Lachlan Bailey. But, you know, what you did just completely complements mm. the whole image of the girl, what she's wearing, everything, doesn't it? And I think that's what the book really shows off. Every single nail I've ever done for a shoot, for a show, for a film, I've considered it. I really have, even yeah. if nobody else really knows that I've considered it. Mm. And sometimes I'll sort of think think that it should be one thing and then I'll look at the picture and think it's right. Look, you know, look at the monitor. Or yeah. look at the, 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 the person mm. and think that's wrong it's wrong I, yeah. should I change it should I, oh, no if I change it everyone's going to get so cross with me because I'm going to hold things up yeah. you know, it's different for hair and makeup you know you jump in all the time and you're mm. expected to yeah. and, 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 and nobody worries about it too much no if I was to do that everybody would get really cross with me mm. and impatient the other one the people that have seen this and sort of flick through it I didn't know you did that mm. oh you did picture I'm wow. like yeah actually and I tell you the one that everyone seems to stop at and said I never knew you did that is the Bjork album cover right the homogenic which was yeah. one of my very first it was one of my really early I think that was the first time I met Alexander McQueen actually because mm. mm. he styled it and that was the first time I met him he loved the drama of everything obviously yeah, yeah. Katie doesn't like nails Oh, and, really? you know, no, she doesn't. And that's fine. You know, I I get that. It's fine. She's yeah. you know, she's the rock and roll kid yeah. that always looks really cool. Mm. Um and nails don't figure. So that's fine. Anyway, I remember one season a long time ago and I was working with her on something. She said to me, Don't let him know you're available because he'll want bloody nails. That's <laughs> Katie. That's my job. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, that, but that's how it is. Yeah. That's how it is. And then I worked with him right up until his last show, which mm. was Plato's Atlantis, which was the most incredible thing. Yeah. One of those big experiences of my life. Mm. Um, it was just incredible when Lady Gaga broke the internet. Yeah, I remember. I think they are some of the most amazing shows I've yeah. ever 
witnessed, witnessed. actually. It, it, but that's it. You witness them. You don't watch them. You no, witness them you and you experience them. them. Yeah. You don't sit and watch a fashion show, do you? No. You have an experience. Yeah, absolutely. will create some sort of emotion yeah. within you, whatever, yeah. whether it's good, bad or ugly. You know, it mm. will create an emotion in you. Yeah. I still do McQueen shows, fortunately. Being in the lineup, you know, when those girls have those clothes on and they're all standing together as the tribe or whatever mm. it is, it's so emotional yeah. because the, the the clothes, what Sarah does with those clothes is so exquisite. Mm-hmm. And to see it close up, to see that workmanship in it yeah. is astonishing. Yeah. You know, that's why, like, having a career like this, you know, like yours too, we've been witnesses to so many mm. incredible experiences that no yeah. you know not many others actually mm. can even imagine what no. what they're like do you talk about these in the book by the way these some things, some things. I, can't remember. Yeah. I can't remember what's this long mm. time ago i didn't actually write the book it was ghost written tasman doe wrote it it mm. was absolutely fabulous and lovely and i think she's made me sound quite intelligent <laughs> oh you do that on your own so marion you're going to be in conversation with nick knight aren't you in the vna in london on may the 10th i am and that is about the book it is in in sort of celebration of the book if mm. you like we're talking about collaborations basically mm. you know how to collaborate or what what collaborations actually are and what to teamwork is and you know the whole fashion thing yeah it's we're, we're being interviewed by Mima I don't know how to say her so <laughs> she's she's a contributing editor of show studio but she's right. also been in fashion her whole she's been CEOs of some of the big labels so yeah she's fabulous so she's actually interviewing hmm. myself and Nick so yes it's me and him at the V&A um it's sort of part of the Dior exhibition as well because we're yeah. going to be talking about the 10 years of Dior, which is quite special. But yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to it, actually. And how can people go to that? The tickets are for sale on the V&A website. Mm-hmm. They're, I think they're very reasonable. They're between, I don't know what makes the difference, but they're between 15 and £18. Pounds, right. And it also includes a wine reception after. Nice. So it's 7 till 8.45, I believe. The Our interview is 7 till 7.45, something like that. Mm. Um, it's not hugely long, you know. Mm. Not a, you know, you're not going to get a numb bum being there. Yeah. And then there's a little wine reception afterwards. Mm. And where's the book available? Where can people buy it? Oh, it's available on Amazon. It's also available in Waterstones, Selfridges, Harrods, mm. the main bookstores. So, yeah, there's lo- all sorts of stuff coming up. Mm. I'm doing something lovely at Bon Marché in Paris during Paris Fashion Week, mm. which would be nice fun. I'm doing something in Selfridges. As, as sort of a collaboration with Pat McGrath because mm-hmm. I did a little collaboration with her when she launched there the other week. Great. Yeah. And what's next for you, Marion? What's next? What's... Well, the, the book that I published the day before I died. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> that's the stories that I don't want to have to talk about. Well, just to finish off, um, I always do this, everybody. I do a rapid fire que- Ooh, questions on, at the end which is just for a bit of fun really and you d- you can either just give one word answers or you can elaborate a bit more there's a couple you might want to elaborate on actually which is fine so i'm going to start with first off what's your favorite food italian yeah i'm gonna add it is italian is my favorite food but my roast beef oh i do a good roast do you oh when, when am i getting I an invite <laughs> known for love it. a good roast yeah. dinner 
Shows or shoots, what do you prefer? Because I've written, I know you still do a lot of shows, but manicurists don't always get the, the best deal backstage, as in you're on the floor doing <laughs> feet or you're pushed out the way by people. By hairdressers. So what do you, what, out of, what, by, yeah, by hairdressers. <laughs> I try not to, can I just say? I know you do. By Actually, choice. Yeah, which you, 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 there's a picture of you pushing manicurists out the way in my very first text. <laughs> is there really? Yes. Oh my God, that's awful. Yes, there is. <laughs> But it was that late model that came when she has 10 people around her. Now, I would say shows, because mm. I'm still doing shows. I'm not ready to stop doing shows, but no. I am ready to stop doing quite a lot of shoots. But why? probably one of the reasons why they are my favourite is, first of all, I do the best shows, mm. which is lovely. But also, I don't get on the floor. I have a team. So all I do is swan around. Yeah, I'm not, checking. I'm, I'm checking. I walk around with a piece of paper, which is my list. I do a lot of press interviews. That is mm. what I have to do. Um, but no, I don't have to get on the floor anymore. Lucky, so yeah. I know, exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's a buzz, isn't there? And I'm yeah. with my team, which I love. I've got yeah. such a fabulous team. Yeah, so, so shows. Favourite colour? Yellow. Okay. Favourite nail colour? Oh, well, I have to say it's my favourite forever, forever, and I don't. I'm not wearing it now. I either wear nothing or dark red. So, and the the dark red is rouge noir. Yes, yeah. That is probably my forever favourite. Right, that's Chanel, right? That's Chanel, but yeah, every, you know, every every range does a red black of yeah. some description. But it's got to be the Chanel one. The Chanel is pretty special. Yeah. yeah. What's your guilty pleasure? Red wine. <laughs> that was quick, wasn't it? That was, you knew that one. I did know that one. <laughs> you didn't have to think about that. Yeah. Who would you like to play you in a film of your life? Oh, I don't know. I think I know who would be good at playing you. Oh, go and tell me then. I think Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep? Oh, well, she's amazing. I think she'd be great at playing you. Do you think? Yes. I'll take that. I'll take that one. Because I can be a tough old boot, you know. <laughs> No comment on Meryl Streep, but... <laughs> <laughs> i tell you somebody else who I I think could... Who played, um... Who played the Queen? Oh, Helen Mirren. No, no, no. Oh, Claire Foy. Claire Foy. Yes. Yes. Mm. I've met her quite a few times, and she's lovely, and, and I get the feeling that she could be amusing as well as being... Quite stern tough and boot. tough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what fashion trend did you not ever get and would never wear... <laughs> I never really got the heavy punk. Mm. Not really. I grew up in the late sixties, so I did all the, I did all the sixties stuff. Yeah. You know, I did all the white PVC boots and mini dirndl skirts and mm. very mini dresses. Mary Quant. <laughs> no, absolutely, Mary Quant. Absolutely, yeah. and I did go shopping in Bieber. I was a hippie for a while. I was a goth, I've, and I've sort of stayed a goth model because mm. I just wear black all the time, <laughs> and I've got long hair. You know. Yeah. I didn't get the punk with the. The tartan right. nappy and mm -hmm. the chains. If you could be a superhero, what powers would you most like to Ooh, have? Oh, I'd love the Beam Me Up Scotty. <gasps> yes, one where you can be taken yeah, from, transported from exactly. one place to another. So we don't have to do all that yeah. travel lock, uh, waiting yeah. for planes and trains and sitting in a car and waiting at an airport. So I'd be Superman because mm. I love Superman. I love that, the guy, that first Superman thing. Christopher Reeves. Christopher, oh. It yeah. was just amazing, that very first Superman film. But I'd, yeah, I'd be Superman, but I'd be the Beam Me Up Scotty version of the right. Superman. <laughs> Superman mixed with a bit of Star Trek. <laughs> with a bit of Star Trek, yeah. That'll, that'll Super work. Trek. Be... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Do you watch or like any sport? No. No, okay, that's a good answer. What makes you angry? 
unfairness i think you know someone could be horrible they could be bitchy they you know they could be a liar all of those things i just think idiots but there's something is unfair yeah i get really quite mm. annoyed about that yeah, yeah i agree with you on that one when was the last time you cried oh when bertie died oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and for quite a while after yeah i'm not a crier you know, I can watch a film with a stoic look on my face because I refuse <laughs> to give in. I can be that person. I think because, you know, I'm I'm not... I'm quite a sort of a private person. You mm. know, you were saying earlier mm. about not knowing the private me. Well, this I have I have a home life and a work life. Yeah. And I have friends that cross both. But So, no, I think crying is, is can be a little bit of a... Showing a little bit too much. And I'm not mm. very good at that. But Bertie got you. But oh my, I was. I don't think my husband had even seen me cry quite as much as mm. because oh. she collapsed at home and you know. So yeah, that was my last proper cry. Mm. Poor little Bertie. Spring or autumn? Spring. Okay, last question. Oh, Has Marion Newman <laughs> ever done anything illegal? <laughs> <laughs> well, I love asking this question. Well, I did used to work for the Metropolitan Police as a forensic yeah. scientist. My husband is a retired police officer. Oh, is he? Yes, he was 32 years So you're law-abiding citizens. Mm, to a degree. Wouldn't say so. <laughs> I mean, well, I grew up in the 60s. That's enough, you know. Yeah. I, there's some of it I don't remember. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of it Fair I do. enough. <laughs> so that's enough said about that. Growing up in the 60s is probably the most telling. Mm. I think that's it. I don't think you need to say any more than that, Marriott. <laughs> I don't think so either. No, that says it all, that's really. That's it, really. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, anybody who wants to get Marion's book, she's mentioned Amazon, Waterstones, all, all the leading bookstores. And obviously in the US, is it available yes, on Amazon, Amazon as well? Amazon, yeah. 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 And then Amazon. Barnes and Noble. Oh, Barnes and Noble. Oh. Well, yeah, I'm sure, I'm I'm sure, sure it's there. there. They've got, yeah, the publishers yeah. have got offices all around. Yeah, so. but everybody does Amazon, don't they? Yes, yeah, everyone does. Get it on Amazon, guys. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you so you. much. It's been fun. Lovely to see you. Thank you for listening to In Bed with Neil Moody. If you want to get in bed with me again and another of my guests, then you can subscribe to my podcast on all the regular platforms to ensure that you don't miss an episode. There are other episodes already available to listen to if you want to hear more straight away. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.